Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining uh, this. This recording, this show is uh, sort of different and, and um, kind of a special episode, I guess you would say, because uh, last night we had a debacle of, ju- of of just a total mess in Alabama around one our most recent um, execution, or I guess we would say botched execution. Uh, and uh, my friends have been down there in Alabama organizing, and I know there's a lot of you that are listening from around the country, around the world, our friends over in the UK that are listening on the radio. Uh, And first of all, thanks for continually tuning in, you know, every week to this show, we try to talk about how our faith impacts the way that we live in the world, um, how it fuels our work for justice. And one of those things that we're working towards is uh, the abolition of the death penalty. And I'm doing that always. Uh, Red Letter Christians and is doing that in partnership with all kinds of great groups, but namely death penalty action. And uh, I have the privilege of being on the advisory board of death penalty action. And my friend, uh, Abe Bonowitz, uh, is joining us today as a guest. He's in the car as they're, uh, they've been up late all night, uh, vigiling for hours and hours as the the kind of news was unfolding of whether or not this latest execution was going to happen. So, Abe, thanks for taking time to, to join me, man. Hey, I'm glad to do it. I'm with uh, Charles Keith, who's driving here. So, uh, and we'll talk about, we'll meet him in a moment, but, but, uh, you know, Shane, it's just, it's always good when you go to an execution and it doesn't happen. You know, yeah. so it's actually a botched execution attempt. And um, this is, I think, the fourth time this has happened in um, in the, the modern death penalty era, which is since 1972, but only in the last few years. And Rommel Broom was the first one in, 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 uh, in Ohio where they, they, poked him 18 times and couldn't get a, an, an intravenous uh, line connected. And they sent him back to his cell. It's a guy, another Alabama case, uh, Paul, uh, uh, blanking on his last name, but, but uh, two years ago, same thing. They tried to get an IV started, couldn't do it, sent him back to his cell. Alva Campbell back to Ohio. Uh, they, they thought they could, well, they, they wanted to try to do it. That one was particularly egregious because they knew it wasn't going to be able to happen, but the prosecutor insisted that they try, and they poked him three times and sent him back to his cell. Uh, he later died. Romel Broom died from COVID. Uh, and then yesterday, um, Alan Miller in Alabama, they, number one, they shouldn't have even been trying because in Alabama, you get to pick gas chamber, or lethal injection. And he picked gas chamber, but the 
state lost his farm and they were going to go by default on uh, lethal injection. And he didn't want that in particular because he already knew that needles are a problem for him. He's very overweight. His, his veins are not good. And, you know, and they knew it was going to be a problem establishing an IV line. But mm. the other piece of it is that, you know, he, he got an injunction from a court that agreed that he had filled up this form and the state had lost it. And that's how most people in Alabama are not getting execution dates because they picked the gas chamber, but Alabama hasn't figured out its gas chamber yet. And as a result, uh, he should not have even been given a date. The state, uh, he challenged the state and a federal district judge agreed. And then amazingly, when the state appealed to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, they agreed too. no, he should not be executed. And then, of course, they went to our current U.S. Supreme Court, which is a grease trail to the execution chamber, and they reversed it. I haven't had a chance to read whatever it is they might have said. All I know is that they said, OK, go ahead and kill the guy. And then the state of Alabama tried. And yeah. for whatever... Yeah reason they were unable to establish a line in time and execute him before the death warrant ran out uh, and and they had to put him back in his cell and the torture that we're putting people through when we do this not just the prisoner but the, the victim families and, and we now know from the joe james experience uh, in july where they poked and prodded and cut him down for two and a half hours at least uh behind closed curtains you know we now know that 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 traumatized corrections workers and yeah, yeah. some of them have left some of them have left the prison. Some of them have asked to be reassigned. We now know that. And, and it, it, so what we're doing is we're traumatizing prison workers, too. There's so much more I could say. Yeah, but, yeah. No, we're going to uh, talk about it. We're going to talk about it. But I want to just, you know, stop for a second to say, uh, you know, for folks listening in, I, I think a lot of the world is looking at the United States with their heads spinning, you know, thinking, how are you still using the gas chamber? Um, and Tennessee, my home state, still has the electric chair. Uh, Utah still has a firing squad, and South Carolina is trying to bring it back. And um, I mean, I mean it, it's it, it really is mind-boggling as we look at you know so much of the world that has abolished the death penalty, um, and it shows how some people are so committed to killing someone that that they're. I mean, this took hours and hours and the Alabama, you know, folks I know that get lost in our judicial system, but the highest state courts voted to stop this execution. And then it went to our federal Supreme Court, or as our, our friend Art Loffin says, uh, the unsupreme court, uh, which is, um, you know, doesn't have time to really, this is almost midnight. They're, they're looking at all these things. They don't have time to review all the, the fine details of this case. Um, but what has been, what, what, what's so remarkable, I think, is that they overturned the highest courts in Alabama in order to let the execution go forward. And this is a court that many people are applauding for being pro-life, and yet they're rubber stamping everything they can on the death penalty, uh, and it's it, it it's really sickening, right? Yeah, well, it, yeah. The only thing that this 
Supreme Court seems to be, I should say, the only thing that the majority of this current Supreme Court seems to be concerned about is whether you've got your Christian pastor in the death room with you praying and laying on hands. And, you know, that's what stopped the, ex the, the next execution in the country, John Ramirez, a year ago. Uh, yeah. He was supposed to be executed, and, they, and he challenged him, saying he wanted his pastor laying hands on, praying out loud in the death chamber with him. And and the Supreme Court has ordered, you know, they had hearings, and they ordered the, the state of Texas to allow that, and now they're going through with it. And, you know, in both these cases, these are not questions about their due process, although there should be questions about that. Uh, both of these people had mental issues. Uh, John Ramirez was a... Um, a U.S. Marine veteran, and you know they taught him how to kill, and you can see exactly what happened in that case. Uh, and then here in in you know, with Alan Miller in Alabama, this is a workplace shooting, except not in one place. He went from one place to the next to the next and killed three specific people. Um, but we know that he had some severe mental illness issues and also some uh, questions about the effectiveness of his representation at trial. And those issues don't matter. What matters is, can we kill the guy in, in, in which way we're going to do it? And, you know, yeah. here's and the thing, Shane. After, after the, the uh, botched execution, well, it was an execution I went through. After the trouble with Joe James Jr. at the end of July, on July 28th, uh, we launched a campaign called Pull Back the Curtains. Right, and, yeah. And the goal is to, you know, the ask of that is very specific. If we're going to have executions, then the media witnesses and the public witnesses must see the entire process from the point of the prisoner walking or being rolled in, since we're executing people in electric in uh, wheelchairs. Um, Got to watch from the time the prisoner is put on the on the gurney uh, or into the chair or whatever it is until the time that they're dead. And the way Alabama's doing it is they're waiting until they get them all hooked up, and then they invite the witnesses in, open the curtains. And in Joe James's case, he was already sedated. He was already on his way. And I suspect that they did that because they did not want him to turn to the gallery and say, hey, they've been cutting and poking and prodding and torturing me for two and a half hours before we got to this point. Yeah, so they yeah. Yeah. You know, when so, they asked him for his last statement, he's, he, he was unresponsive. And that's just that's not how it's supposed to go. Yeah. And, and you guys, as you're listening in, this is sort of a, a special episode um, of uh, our radio show and podcast because there was an attempted uh, uh, botched execution last night. Alan Miller is still alive in Alabama. And uh, we certainly celebrate that. We celebrate any time the death penalty fails to take a life. Um, and, and yet we also have this fire in our bones because of how messed up our system is that this was a six hour ordeal of uh, courts and uh, appeals and everybody waiting and the family, the murder victims, family members, the uh, folks who know and love Mr. Miller, all, including him, counting the hours to his death and, and then it not happening. You know, they're down to the wire. The death warrant runs out at like midnight or something, right, Abe? And so like all, all of this yeah. is the theatrics of 
empire. It's the theatrics. It's a ritual, a sickening, twisted ritual of death from getting the last meal to all these things that we do to try to make this some kind of ceremony. And yet it is uh, a, a homicide. That's what goes on our death warrants for folks, you know, outside the U.S. when someone is a uh, uh, a victim of state execution, the manner of death listed on their death certificate is homicide. And we're just seeing, you know, all of the people that are a part of the apparatus and the machinery of death, what it does to them, uh, the, 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 medical folks, the corrections officers, often even the prison wardens that have gotten to know these people over years and years of their life and see that they are often a different person now than they were 20 or 30 years ago when they were uh, convicted and put on death row. So um, our sound is not great today, but our spirits are uh, moved uh, because we're we're talking about the uh, the the death penalty and the wonderful work of death penalty action. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about the vigils, Abe and, and Charles is with you in the car there. Um, you know we we've kind of committed that every execution that happens we're not going to let it happen in the shadows without people raising their voices. So you've been hosting these uh, hybrid. Um, vigils, right, where folks can join online and people are also on the ground, uh, in this case in Alabama, protesting and vigiling outside of uh, the spaces where these are happening, right, bro? Yeah, yes. Well, Alabama is a strange case because you can't get anywhere near the prison, so they don't do vigils at the prison. But um, we had people in Birmingham and in in uh, in Montgomery, the cap the capital. Um, and and we missed you last night. Normally, Shane is part of as a fixture in these things. Um, and last night was the longest one. It, you know, we started an hour before the scheduled execution, and we ended up going over seven and a half hours. And um, and uh, uh, and, and really, it's a prayerful, uh, informative protest uh, opportunity. We have voices of experience on the death penalty. People like Charles Keith, I want to give him a chance to say hello. Um, he is the brother of somebody who went, was 13 days from being executed. People like Charles, murder victim, family members. Also, last night, we had a lot of presence from a guy named Rob Dunham, who's the executive director of the Death Penalty Information Center. Uh, and... and and a number of folks from Alabama sharing their perspectives and experiences. And it's a powerful time of being together. We also have people you know, from the UK, Janet Welch um, uh, comes and, and, and leads us in some prayer. And, you know, it's been a, uh, and all this came out because of COVID, you know, before we would just go to the prison and just be those of us who could make it to the prison. And now people join from all over the world. So yeah, the yeah, way so people connect on that is, of course, to go sign the petitions at deathpenaltyaction.org, and then that gets you on the list if you opt into the list, and then you get the invitations. Charles, you want to bring great? Yeah, hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Shane? How are you? Good to see you, brother. How'd you, I know you're driving. I don't want to take much of your time, but how's your soul, man? You doing okay? Yeah, I just wanted to bring this message because, you know, when we're talking about the poor, the poorly educated and all that stuff, I come from that. We call it the hood. And, you know, we look at the government as gang members, you know, and the things that they do to us, they prey upon us. And, you know, where you guys call them executions, we call it judicial murder, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and all the things that they, they do to us. You know, they make sure 
that we become their victims because they deny us almost everything, including when we get into court. They deny us our rights to uh, a, a fair trial. They deny us our rights to uh, adequate appeals. You know, so, you know, the stamp is on your forehead. It doesn't say murderer. It says poor. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be kind of hard to get past that poverty piece because you're going to always be their victim. And yeah. the person that you fear the most is their gang leader. And we call him the governor mm-hmm. or her, the governor. Yeah. So, you know, we look at them as gang members and how they're all organized and stuff because that's how they see us. And that's not who we are. The poor people are not gangs. We, there may be gangs that exist, but we know what our government is and we know that they will kill We've been to the vigils. We've seen it. And, you know, I had to coin the phrase judicial murder. Yeah, judicial murder. Yeah. So you're listening to Charles Keith, whose uh, brother, he he really uh, has been trying to get his brother out of prison, who was wrongfully convicted for years and years. He's thankfully uh, not facing execution, but at one point was um, just days from from his execution date. So, Charles, yeah, go ahead. You got to know. Got I'm sorry to interrupt. I know we're short on time, but you got to know October 3rd is Wrongful Convictions Day. And that's the day that Kim Kardashian is launching her new podcast. And the whole first series is about Charles's brother, Kevin. Wow. King. Yeah. So that's coming up. So, so pay attention to that, y'all. And, uh, and, and we've also been talking with Abe Bonowitz, uh, who's the founder, one of the co-founders of Death Penalty Action, uh, one of the most prominent groups in the U.S. working for alternatives to the death penalty and uh, putting, making sure that these uh, executions uh, don't go without people having a voice in opposition to them. So please join the work of Death Penalty Action. They're one of our partners at Red Letter Christians. We do everything together. Um, we've got a few minutes left. So I wanted to, I w- I wanted to just say that, um, you know, Charles made a really solid uh, point that, you know, to remember that these executions, uh, uh, Brian Stevenson says it well, we, we, think that we often th- say that we're killing the worst of the worst, but if we're honest, we're not killing the worst of the worst. We're killing the poorest of the poor and disproportionately people of color. You know, Brian goes on to say that uh, the system treats you better if you're rich and guilty than if you're poor and innocent. Uh, and yeah. so we, we see that, you know, it, all through our criminal justice system. And the reason the death penalty is so important is that you, you, you don't get a second chance as, as our, our brother, Derek Jameson says, you can't bring someone back from the dead uh, when you get it wrong. Uh, and, you know, in the case that happened last night, Alan Miller, um, his guilt was not in question. Uh, and yet it's a reminder though, that um, this system is so broken. Um, it, 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 it can't be repaired. And there's folks that at the Supreme Court level, at every level of our government that have recognized um, how broken our criminal justice system is. And, the, you know, some people, even that they are inclined to support the death penalty, but they're just convinced that our government can never carry it out in, in a way that... Um, is perfect. I mean, you don't you don't want an imperfect system carrying out death sentences. Uh, uh, so it's, government it, cannot be trusted. Government cannot be trusted with the power to kill, and and we can see that. But you know, uh, so you mentioned Brian Stevenson and his group, the Equal Justice Initiative. They've created some amazing spaces in Montgomery, Alabama. If you ever get to 
because you better have uh, we were your sounds just a little bit glitchy man um but i, I what what abe's saying is that brian stevenson and the equal justice initiative uh they're down in montgomery um uh, alabama and doing incredible work brian and i actually went to the same college together and uh, i've been friends for uh, about 20 years or something it's embarrassing he's been on all of our podcasts and shows and stuff too but um you can check out uh, Equal Justice Initiative, and also read his book, Just Mercy. Um, uh, and and we've been doing this special episode. We've been doing this special episode on uh, the the death penalty because we had um, this this heart wrenching ordeal yesterday in Alabama. Um, a, a reminder of how broken our system is as Alabama. Uh, tried to execute Alan Miller for, uh, you know, this this lasted for uh, over six hours, and he's still alive today. And this is not the first time. We've had other folks that have survived uh, attempted executions. We've had uh, folks that have died of a heart attack as they're gasping for air because the uh, cocktails that were used don't work. So there's a lot of people that go, well, why don't we just make it easier to kill folks? Why don't we hang them or why don't we shoot them? And that's why, you know, some states are bringing back the firing squad. Um, but I, I think we'll try to come back to you in just a second, Abe. But I want to say that one of the things that I will never forget is talking with our friend Ron McAndrew, who is a former executioner. He's a former prison warden that carried out executions and supervised them. And he ended up being haunted by it all. He went from electric chair to lethal injection, thinking that would be a more uh, sanitized way to kill folks. But he was still haunted. And he ended up saying that there's just no good way to kill people. Uh, and, and it's time for us to abolish the death penalty once and for all and to stop tinkering with the machinery of death and trying to find ways that we can kill folks. It, it, we, we end up uh, with, with, with the death penalty that cures as bad as the disease. It makes us look like we, we are the ones that are premeditating, uh, doing premeditated murder because it's exactly what our state's doing. Um, Abe, I think we got a better connection with you. You, you want to uh, uh, jump yeah. in here, bro? Is this good now? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, man. so the point I was just making with the Equal Justice Initiative, there's a map on the wall where all the lynchings happen in Alabama, and it's stunning how frequent and how many and how far, all the way across the, the, the state. And what Brian Stevenson talks about is how, and, and others, um, lynchings are still happening. They just moved inside. And that's yeah. what we were seeing last night. You know, um, at the end of the day, though, we can stop this and more people are waking up. The media in, in Alabama really has taken our message about pull back the curtain. So that's what I want to ask people to do is go sign the petition, the pull back the curtains petition. We'll do another delivery of that uh, when it's an appropriate time. But, but uh, we need them. If they're going to have executions, they need to be under uh, fully transparent. And, and that's going to be a step. As I've been saying, Shane, every time one of these executions happens, every execution, more people join the abolitionist bandwagon because they see how ridiculous and outrageous it is for the state to have this power and abuse it in these ways. Yeah. 
Thanks, Abe. Uh, you've been listening to Abe Bonowitz, uh, the uh, co-founder and executive director of Death Penalty Action, and our brother Charles Keith, who is a hero in this movement and doing so much of the outreach to folks that have, are, have been impacted by the death penalty, uh, just like him and his own family. And um, this was a special episode. We had a few, a few little sound glitches uh, because these guys are in the car as they drive back from Alabama. Alabama after uh, another uh, terrible night of battling uh, against the death penalty. And uh, we want to say, you know, join join our work at Red Letter Christians and at Death Penalty Action as we continue to fight for alternatives to the death penalty. Here's the good news, y'all, is fewer and fewer states are actively executing people. And almost every year, a new state is abolishing the death penalty. Virginia, uh, just uh, uh, two years ago, became the first formerly Confederate state to abolish the death penalty. And it's a reminder, too, that that uh, where lynchings of African-Americans were happening uh, 100 years ago is exactly where executions are happening today. The states of the former Confederacy that held on to slavery the longest are the same states that continue to try to hold on to the death penalty. So all of this stuff um, is bound together. Our history of racial terror um, and, and lynchings and racism is this is kind of the legacy and descendant of that. And it is time to be done uh, with long past time to be done with the death penalty. And he, here's the big question is what role will Christians play? I know that we're going to abolish the death penalty, but the question is, what role will Christians play? And uh, up to this point, one of the things that is so disturbing is that Christians, as much as we say that we're pro-life on the issue of capital punishment, we've often been the folks that are supporting the death penalty. And I was one of those. Uh, for a long time, I supported the death penalty, thought I had the scriptures to back it up. But I want, want to invite you, you know, check out Executing Grace, check out Just Mercy, read Sister Helen's books, and let's find a better expression of our faith that really is for life without exceptions, not just on one issue, but on all of them. Uh, so thanks for joining me, Abe and uh, Charles. Uh, check out Death Penalty Action, uh, sign our petitions, and join this holy, holy work of abolishing the death penalty. Thanks for joining me today, y'all. Hey, y'all, this is Shane Claiborne with Red Letter Christians, and I've got a big favor to ask of you. We want to get to know you a little bit more and make sure that you're getting what you need from Red Letter Christians. So I would love it if you would head to tinyurl.com slash rlc dash podcast. It's all in the show notes. And take five minutes to complete a little survey from you so that we can make sure that you get more of what you love. It's just an honor to be building a better world with all of you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. 
but at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.